invite you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59, verses 20 to 21. Isaiah 59, verses 20 to 21. Here, God is promising a new covenant. And we're going to look at the miracle of the new covenant. And we're going to see how the new covenant operates in our lives. Here is the prophecy, Isaiah 59, verse 20. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. What a powerful prediction coming from the mouth of Isaiah as God opens Isaiah's eyes. He was writing in the 8th century before Christ. And yet God said to him, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to bring a new covenant. The old covenant will have done its job. And you will have understood by then that there's no way that you can approach me in your own efforts. You're going to need my grace in your life. And you're going to need a covenant which will start with me and begin with me and work by my power. When we think about the Old Testament, we know there is an old covenant. It's a covenant of works, a covenant of law, a covenant of human effort. It was an educational program. The law was given for many reasons, the law of Moses given for many reasons, but one of the main reasons, it was an educational program. God was taking a sample of the human race and saying, see how far you get with this. See if you can fulfill my requirements for your life. See if you can live in such a way as you become acceptable to me in your, uh, in your own energy and strength. And there was much more to it than that because God was teaching many, many things. But, but at the end of that time, it was clear to everybody that righteousness cannot come by the works of the law. The Bible says the law was given by Moses until the time grace and truth came himself and his name is Jesus Christ. So here we have a covenant of grace now, there are other passages in the Bible, a little bit more familiar to many of us, that speak about this new covenant. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, for example. Go to those passages at some time and have a look at them. In Ezekiel 36, it talks about God sprinkling our hearts with clean water, cleansing us, giving us a new heart and a new spirit, taking away the heart of stone, that cold, hard, stubborn unresponsive heart and giving us a new heart, a soft heart, a heart that is ready and responsive to God, a heart of flesh, a tender heart. 
And he says, I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes. This is God by his spirit putting his word in our heart. Jeremiah 31 says that when this happens, he says, you won't have to go around saying, know the Lord to your brothers and sisters. In the Old Covenant, only a few people had that intimate relationship with God. But in the New Covenant, we all know him. And when we know him, we have eternal life. And Jeremiah says, you shall know the Lord, and I will forgive your iniquity and your sin. I will remember no more. This is the miracle of the New Covenant. God coming taking away that old heart, giving us a new heart, washing us, cleansing us, taking away our sins, forgiving our iniquities. It is at the heart of the new covenant. And the Bible word for this is being born again. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, who was one of the Jewish religious leaders of his day, and uh, talked about being born again. In John 3, verse 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit. See, going back to Ezekiel, going back to Jeremiah, being born of water and spirit. In other words, it's a cleansing operation of God's spirit, cleansing operation of God's word in our life. Unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. This is our authority as ministers of the gospel and members of the new covenant. This week I've been meditating on this. You know, God, one of the things he's doing is restoring or giving fresh confidence to the church of Jesus Christ concerning who we are and what we have. We have the only message of new life. Hello? The only message of new life. You can take flesh and educate it. What have you got? Educated flesh. You can take flesh and moralize. What have you got? Moralized flesh. You can take flesh and make it religious. And what have you got? Stinking religion. Religious flesh. And that's the sm- that stinks more than anything else. Whether it is artificial Christian religion, whether it's charismatic pigeon religion, to quote our good friend R.T. Kendall, whether it's Muslim religion, Jewish religion, Catholic religion, Protestant religion, religious religion, atheistic religion, whatever it is, if it's religion, it's still stinking flesh. But we have a message to announce a new covenant. And I want to ask you a question today. Are you born again? I mean, really born again. It's not language that is used that frequently. Today, a number of years ago, everybody talked about being born again. Even television adverts said, well, I'm a born again businessman. What you religious know, I've saved my company from something or other. No president could ever be elected. A few decades ago, the United States of America, without publicly declaring he or she, well, there have been no she so far, he was born again. And it became a kind of thing 
uh, which and, and we got embarrassed about it because people were taking it out of its context. But it's time to get back to understanding that unless God changes your heart, unless there's an intervention from heaven, you're not even going to see the kingdom of heaven, let alone get into it. In fact, the whole of the message of the gospel is that you might be born again and enter the new covenant. Now, this is not just about how you get saved, ladies and gentlemen. It is that, but it's more than that. It's also how you live saved. It's not just about how to get saved. It's how the new covenant works, how the new covenant operates. So the miracle of the new covenant is this. God takes away the heart of stone and gives us a new heart, a new nature, a new spirit, and things happen. Absolutely amazing how things happen. I remember it was December the 24th, 1917. And I had been hearing the gospel. I was a dance student here in London and I was on holiday in the north of England and Christian family had taken me to hear the gospel. And I don't, didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew something was going on. So they gave me a Bible. It was a big Bible. I mean, a real one. Black leather cover, gold imprint, and authorized version inside. Yay, verily. <laughs> and I thought, before I read this now, I'm just going to make a few notes, you see. Started that way. Those notes over the years have become books and books and books. But you are what you are. <laughs> and I thought, okay, before I now look up some scriptures that I've been told to look at, I'm just going to note something down. And at the top of this, I think I still have the piece of paper today. I said, God has come into my life through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I looked at that and I thought, where did that come from? I hadn't premeditated it. Nobody had told me to write it. But the Holy Spirit was beginning to reveal to me. In other words, I was discovering a change was taking place on the inside of me. A change that began so deep in my heart that even at that time... I, I, my conscious mind had to catch up with it. I became conscious of saying things I didn't ordinarily say. I became more and more aware that my attitudes were changing. My belief system had been completely turned upside down, outside in, and, and, I, and I, something was happening. I began to love the things I didn't love before. I began to have a hunger for things I didn't have a hunger before. The Bible, prayer, talking to God. And right from the very early days, God was moving in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And then early into the new year, that was on February the 14th. We're now into 1972. Oops. Oh, what a giveaway. 
I'm not embarrassed about my age. What I'm embarrassed about is being so long in Christ and still being this dumb and immature. That's my, that's my embarrassment. Uh, but anyway, don't look. You're, you should be embarrassed as well. I mean, some of you have been around here a long time. It's time for some fruits. Amen. It's time for some maturity in the house of God. Time for some strength and confidence in that which we believe. Anyway, it's February the 14th, and um, this was in a charismatic prayer meeting by members of HTB. And I spoke to my good friend Sandy Miller, who was the vicar there afterwards, and he said, I don't think, Colin, it was an official HTB prayer meeting. I don't know why he wanted to disassociate himself from what was going on in that place, but he was just wanted to keep the record straight. And in that place... We listened to a tape recording of, by David Watson on how to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was so thirsty for God. I wanted to drink and drink and drink. And I kept on drinking of the Holy Spirit. I'm speak, speaking metaphorically, of course. But then out of my mouth bubbled these words that I'd never said before. Always wanted to say, but didn't know how to say it and who to say it to. It was the gift of speaking in tongues. And I had this awareness of Jesus Christ, who, risen in all his glory, seated at the right hand of the Father. It was like a vision, although I didn't see anything. It was so clear in my mind's eye, as it were. And, and it was, I was so aware that Jesus himself had baptized me in the Holy Spirit, that I'd received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the word came to me, and the spirit came to me, and together that created life in my spirit, and that life starts to alter how you think, and how you talk, and how you live, and, and where you go, and the choices you make, and the, the decisions you take in life, hallelujah, it's called living in the new covenant. And the miracle begins when God changes your heart. Let's have a look again at Isaiah 59. Let's see some elements. The Redeemer will come to Zion, says the Lord, and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. Very significant. And the contrast between this covenant and the other one is stark and enormous. God says, this is my covenant with them. In other words, God initiates this relationship. That's what love is. Love is taking initiative. In the earlier presentation, there was a bit of verbal sparring going on about how men should treat women and how women should treat men. The men had good answers, the women had no answers. <laughs> so I'm ready to instruct you now. You see, in God's way of handling human relationships, men and women, there is a difference. Now obviously I'm not just speaking biology here, all right? But I'm speaking about role and how God works in the covenant of marriage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. 
speaking about how he gave himself up for her. This is the love of a husband by the power of God. And guys, you can't do it in your own strength. I don't care how beautiful she is. She will wrinkle one day. And if you think that's bad, take a look at yourself. <laughs> so God begins with the man and says, love your wife as Christ loved the church, which means you sacrifice yourself for her. You take the initiative. Love always takes the initiative. That's loving leadership. And just to complete the circle, for the wife, he says, wives... Be submissive to your husbands as unto Christ. The word submission, unfortunately, has carried with it in recent days the idea of a wrestling match in which somebody overpowers somebody else at great cost and personal pain. But this isn't meaning you become a doormat. What it means is that you respond to this loving leadership and you are there to love your husband as much as to live for him, even as he loves you as much as to die for him. You say, well, if my husband loved me like that, I'd love him back. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, if the Spirit of God's in you, you start, you start. You start where you are. Hallelujah. So this covenant of marriage begins with, a, with an initiative. And God says, my covenant, my new covenant, begins with me. This is my initiative. If God had not broken into our lives, if he had not intervened, if he had not rudely interfered, where would we be? Because we cannot, of our own strength and understanding, come to God. That's religion. Religious, religions try. And it doesn't matter how much they say they have a prophetic word. Unless it's about God coming in Christ, it is a false religion and a false prophecy. Because only in Christ is the new covenant made. The law was given by Moses, but Christ himself came. He is the grace of God. He is the meeting point. When I'm talking to people on the street about this and trying to help them understand why we appear to be narrow and exclusive and why we would appear to exclude other religions and say, no, you can't be saved through Buddhism. You can't be saved through Islam. You can't be saved merely through Judaism. You can't be saved even through Christianism. You can only be saved through Christ. Christ is the meeting place. Suppose we were to get to have a get-together, maybe the members of your cell, and say, okay, tomorrow we've all got the day off. Hallelujah. I didn't give it to you, so go to work. All right. So all got the day off. And so we say, we're going to meet at Trafalgar Square under Nelson's column at 10.30. Okay? Clear, isn't it? So everybody goes to Nelson's column, 10.30, but somebody else goes to Hyde Park. <laughs> well, I, I have a right to go in when I want to go. I have a right to meet with you anywhere. But we agreed that was the place to meet. Yeah, well, I'm a free individual. I, 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 I want to meet anywhere. I want to make my own meeting place. Will you be on your own for the rest of the day? 
So where God says, I have a meeting place, and it's not at the foot of Nelson's column, it's at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the meeting place. And if the sovereign God has ordained a meeting place there, we have no right to bypass the cross. We have no right to preach another gospel, no right to preach another message and to say it is possible to mount the steps to heaven in your own strength or energy. No, because there and there alone at the cross, Christ came and died for the sins of the world. That's the miracle of the new covenant, God's initiative. And all we can do is respond. Amen? God's initiative. Second, he talks about, God says, I will put my spirit on you. Don't think about the position here. Is that relevant? Because the Bible speaks about the spirit upon, the spirit in us, and so on. But it's talking about the gift of God's spirit. This is new covenant. It didn't happen in the old covenant. In the old covenant, only a few people were anointed. Prophets some kings uh, and priests, and that's about it. But the Spirit of God was not freely given to every member of the Old Covenant. Can you imagine trying to live for God without the help of the Holy Spirit? Imagine. Do you know one of the things that I discover when I speak to people? I'm I'm not here today just to preach against other religions. You must understand where I'm coming from. I'm talking every day to people who have various convictions and different opinions about God or belief in God or or religions. And so my preaching is the overflow of conversing with people. Okay? And um, one of the things that astonishes me is to how disciplined some religious people are and insincerity, with sincerity, okay? I'm not saying that they're insincere. You you can be sincere, sincerely wrong, but still sincere. And these people are sincerely wrong, but they're still sincere. And the discipline, let me talk about a Buddhist. An English man who converted to Buddhism. And every day, he does his Buddhist practice. He'll get up earlier than the devil himself, he will. (laughs) And he will do his Buddhist practice, his chanting. He's got his Buddhist liturgy, and he reads it out in Sanskrit. And, you know, we can't even be bothered to learn the the Hebrew Hebrew and the Greek. But anyway, there he is, and he will do his chanting. And the chanting is to the universe. I said, tell me what this means, what this means. So he's chanting to the universe. He's aligning himself with the laws and principle of the universe so that health and well-being and prosperity and peace may come into his life. Oh, 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 what a trap. Just go one step further, please. Just confess the God of the universe. Declare the word of the God of the universe and you'll discover more power, more authority, more unity, more peace, more joy, and forgiveness of sins. You'll discover that. So, the, so close. But you see, he's taught, been taught to bypass Jesus. But he does, and several times in the day. And my Muslim friend, who is worshipping, as he calls it, five times a day, can't even get Christians to say, good morning, Jesus, before breakfast. 
What a tragedy that there is a zeal which is not according to knowledge. We have the knowledge. Where is our zeal? We have the knowledge. We have the revelation. Where is our zeal? Where is our strength? Where is our authority? Where is our boldness to say, unless you're born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven? I'm raising my voice not to shout at you, but it's like a proclamation. I'm proclaiming. Hallelujah. Let us all be proclaimers of the word of God. Imagine those people without the Holy Spirit are that disciplined in their faith. Imagine us trying to live for God without the Holy Spirit. Trying to do what you can't do. Trying in your own strength what is impossible to flesh. You try and try and try, and the only text that comes through is say, Oh, yea, 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 verily, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, yea, oh, yea, oh, yea, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I like the AV because the R is much better. <laughs> Without the Holy Spirit, we are useless. There are some French people listening. Sans la puissance du Saint-Esprit, nous pouvons rien faire. Nous dépendons totalement de lui. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We are totally dependent on him. Any French people in this building apart from there watching? Any French people here? C'est comme ça? Vous avez bien compris? She's in a bit of a doubt. <laughs> and you don't know what you're talking about either. You say très bien, thank you. You just want to encourage me. I wish you marked my essays. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is what makes the difference. Because everything that you have that draws you to God or gives you a desire to move in His direction Every successful step you take towards him is only by the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't give God a second thought if it wasn't for the Spirit. Even if you said, oh, well, I believe in God, but well, you'd never even get close to knowing him without the Holy Spirit. There is no way that all the academics in the world that can bring you into a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. Even Peter, the man who opened his mouth and spoke the great declaration of faith, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Peter, you didn't get to this in your own opinion. Nobody told you this. It wasn't from flesh and blood, but it has been revealed by my Father through the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit of God who bring life to us, change us from the inside. Otherwise, we just have that cold, stony heart. You know, sometimes, and, it, and we must never get judgmental, but I tell you, sometimes it's hard to resist some judgmentalism. Let me go into sin for a bit and then repent in a second. I mean, sometimes I look at Christians and I think to myself, oh my God in heaven, how could they possibly be saved? There's no desire for Christ, no desire for fellowship, no desire to witness, not breaking their heart over the lost. And they say they have a soft heart. What has happened to, to us? Let the Holy Spirit fresh into your life to restore what he's, what he's doing here. Amen and amen and amen. Spirit, number two, the word. Did you read it? Isaiah 59, 
This is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth. Wow. Very significant. Why is it? Is it that this means that God has given us special ability to recite Scripture? To learn it by heart? Either in the Hebrew Old Testament or Greek in the New Testament. There's some religions that say you've got to do that. I think it is good to memorize the Scripture. But that's not exactly what he's talking about here. He's saying this word is going to be so much part of you that it will be in your mouth. Now, in order to know the significance of that, we've got to take a step back or two. Get ready to turn to, get ready to, turn to uh, uh, Romans chapter 10 while we come to this. You see, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the, and the Bible shows us that there is a connection between what God does in our heart and the confession that comes out of our mouth. And this is not just a 20th century Kenneth Hagen thing. This isn't just a blab it, grab it, name it, claim it stuff. This goes right back to the beginning. The Christians throughout all generations have understood that faith declaration is absolutely essential to healthy Christian living. And it goes right back to the early confessions, we still have them in the creeds of today, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the great confessions of faith, and going right back to the New Testament itself, in which the simplest, clearest confession of all is, Jesus is Lord. Let's make that confession today. Jesus is Lord. Say it again. Do you know you can't say that and mean it without the Holy Spirit? Can you see? So the Holy Spirit gives you the conviction that Christ is Lord and then you confess it with your mouth, just like Peter. Peter had the revelation in his heart who Jesus was and when Jesus asked him, he just came out. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Almost as if you say, where did that come from? And Jesus had to tell him where it came from. All right? So we talk about God's Word in our heart and in our mouth. Now, when God changes the heart and puts his word in our heart, what's going to come out of our mouth is an agreement with that word. That's a principle. That's how you get saved, and that's how you live saved, okay? Let's start with the getting saved bit. Okay, so here we have in Romans chapter 10... God speaking through Paul, contrasting the old covenant of human effort, human works, contrasted that with the covenant that operates by faith. And he says, let's go to verse 5. Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. You see? It's about works. What you do is what you get in the old covenant. You live good, you get good. You live bad, you get bad. But nobody can li live good enough to get what they need. So it's an educational program to show the weakness of the flesh and our need of Christ. 
in slightly different context, Paul says the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ. Okay, verse 6, but the righteousness of faith, do you see the difference? The righteousness of the law by works on the one side and the righteousness of faith on the other side. Now, the righteousness by works means you have to get 100% in order to pass that test. Can you imagine going for a test where it's 100% or fail? Today, I mean, you know, they're even talking on the television about starting you with A. Start, first of all, here we are, begin your education, we give you an A. You have done nothing yet, but we give it to you. And you've got to work to keep it. But you see, really, this test is impossible. There is nobody who has ever obeyed the law of God in thought, word, and deed, Apart from one person, the Son of God manifested in the flesh. And the gift of God is His righteousness becomes our righteousness by faith. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? Go all the, I've got to work hard, I've got to get myself to heaven. No, no, no. That is to bring Christ down from above. Christ has already come. Heaven has come to you. Or... Who will descend into the abyss that has been Christ up from the dead? In other words, you have to go right down to the depths of, of hell. You have to fight Satan himself and to get that victory. No, no, no. He's been to hell and back again for you. What does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth. And in your heart. That can only happen by the Holy Spirit. I may come back to that, but remember, I'm talking about through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, notice this. The new covenant operates out of a new heart and a new spirit that gives you a new mouth. Hallelujah. Did your mother say, I'll wash your mouth with soap? Did she ever say that? Well, you must be from Africa then. Well, Jesus washes our mouth with the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanses our lips. Cleanses our heart. So he says, this is the word of faith which we preach. The word of? The word of? The word of faith. Now the words, it's near you. It's not about human effort. When it says it's near you, it means you can reach out and take it. Just as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Reach out, grab it, take it. It's accessible. It's available to faith. It's not ascending the highest mountain, going to the deepest value, valleys, crawling across the Himalayas on all fours just to make yourself worthy of some divinity. No, no, no. God has manifested himself in the flesh on this planet, bringing God's grace and favor, going to the cross, paying the price for your sins, being raised again from the dead that you might say, Lord, I believe. That's what it's about. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Now, verse 9 says, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God is raised from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart 
one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you see what this is saying? God works in a new heart. He puts his spirit there. He puts his word there. The word begins to work on the inside, and because we believe, we speak. Because we believe, we declare. This is an artificial slot machine uh, approach to God. This is the dynamic operation of the Holy Spirit. It's the operation of the miracle of the new covenant. And so today, if you're not saved, what do you do? You receive this word in your heart and believe it. Say, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. And when you believe that in your heart, you can declare it, whether it is Jesus save me, be my Lord, I am your servant, or I believe that Christ is Lord of all. You confess, and then the covenant of salvation works in you. Immediately, you are born again, never to go back into that old life, ever. God will lead you forward. But this is how it begins. And there is so much more in the covenant than salvation. Now, when I say that, it sounds like I'm saying there's so much more in the covenant than just salvation. No, 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 no. I don't have arms long enough, but salvation is way up there. Forgiveness of sins. We rejoice not that the demons are subject to us, but our names are written in heaven. No better blessing. You can live with anything else other than you need forgiveness of sins. But alongside that, God promises more things. And it operates the same way. Operates the same way. Let's talk about prosperity. Now, by prosperity, I'm not talking about needing greed. No. I'm talking about walking in the provision of God. And Jesus taught this. This wasn't invented by Kenneth Copeland. This was... Jesus teaching. He said, look, don't worry about tomorrow. What you're going to eat, drink, or wear. Because God is taking care of you. He is your heavenly Father. And look to the birds of the air. Look to the flowers of the field. And understand that you are more valuable than any of those. And no Giorgio Armani can outdo God in his sense of fashion. No way. Not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like that. What is that telling us? A super abundant, generous, giving God who wants to bless you and provide for you and prosper you in your life. Again, I'm not talking about fake prosperity. I'm not talking about greed. I'm talking about depending on God for your provision, for your health, your strength, your employment, and all, all of that. But what I want to show you is this, that if you believe that in your heart, what's going to happen? Just as the Bible says, if that's believing in your heart, you're going to say, then let the poor man say, I am rich. Let the weak one say, I am strong. Hallelujah. 
That's the miracle of the covenant. God puts his word in our hearts and in our mouth. And when we begin to believe and speak God's word, the covenant works in our life and in our favor. Let's go on to another one. Healing. And he placed a condition where you need a healing in your body. Of course, we can pray for one another. Yes, that's right. But also, the covenant can work directly in your life. Because Christ is in you, his word is in you, his spirit is in you, and the spirit of God can stir up that word and something can bubble up on the inside of you and you can feel it even before you can see it and you can say, I know this, I know this, by his stripes I am healed. What is that? God's word in your heart and in your mouth. All by the Holy Spirit. My time is gone, so I'm not going to go on. Maybe I'll come back and talk about how the Spirit's involved. But just for now, remember that I'm not saying we do this mechanically, automatically, or by our own thinking or our own discipline. It's the Holy Spirit who stirs us up in those things. So what do we say in conclusion? The miracle of the covenant, the new covenant, is threefold. Number one, a new heart a new spirit, a new nature. Number two, the operation of that through the declaration of your mouth, not as a technique, but as a reality. And number three, which has been implied in everything I've said today, this new covenant changes us from the inside out. First our heart, then our mouth, and then the rest of our lives. Changed from the inside out. That's the difference between faith in Christ and religion, any religion. And I want to ask you today, again, are you born again? Can you truly say, my sins are forgiven? Can you truly say that I have believed in my heart that Jesus is Lord. And have I declared that declaration, that confession, which connects me with the covenant of God for my life? Am I still trying to please him by my own efforts? Am I still trying to change from the outside in? Or let God change me from the inside out? You and you alone can answer that question before God, but I want to pray for you before we close today. It's so important that we put forgiveness of sins as a top priority. Amen? Everything else can flow from the covenant, but it begins here with getting to know God. Every eye closed, every head bowed right now in this place. Let your Holy Spirit work in our lives today. Father, I pray for every person now who at this point is saying, I'm not sure whether I'm born again. I don't know about these things. I kind of, interest, I just don't know. Or people say, I want this. Whoever they are, Lord, I pray, work in their lives. Something deep and something profound. Do what only you can do. And if that's you today, 
Say, Jesus, I want to be born again. Say it in your heart. Jesus, I receive you into my life. Make me a born again person. I want that new heart. If you say that right now, say it to the Lord. Say it to the Lord. Now, if you, if you said that, if you prayed that, I want to pray for you. Please, nobody looking around. The only people I want looking around are the consolidators who've got some literature to give to people who respond right now. That's all. But if you're saying in your heart, I want this, let me pray for you. Just lift your hand right where you are, and I'll just pray for you in this final prayer before we finish the service. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Consolidate. Somebody's going to come and stand with you so it can be up there. God bless you. There, God bless you. Thank you. Over the road in the coronet, if you lift your hand, Christian, they'll be there to help you. Downstairs in the overflow, if you're watching online, uh, just send an email in and somebody will be there to receive it. Father, I pray for every single one of you people. Father, I pray for every single one of these people who've said yes to you today. Make it real. Come and work your covenant. And now, for every other person that has a covenant blessing that you need in your life, stand. And that's probably all of us. If there's some blessing in the covenant that you need today, stand. It's a very broad thing, but I'll pray specifically in a moment, whether it's healing, whether it's finance, whether it's peace, whether it's victory, whether it's deliverance, whether there's some obstacle in your life, whether it's an anxiety, whether you need peace, whether you need the Lord of peace, whatever it is, whatever it is. Whatever, 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 whatever you need, whatever you need is in the covenant of God. Lift your hands. I'm going to pray general prayers, but God will work in your lives. Just reach out and begin to speak out from, by faith that which is required in your need right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the one, the name of the covenant, the name of the new covenant, the name of the new, the one of the, who carries the name of the new covenant, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Speak that word of new covenant. I speak that word of deliverance. I speak that word of power. I speak that word of authority. I speak that word of healing. I speak that word of faith. Over the lives of your people, receive according to your need in Jesus' name.